Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. And uh, my name's Dell. For those of you who haven't haven't met yet, and um, we are we are continuing or actually beginning a new series um, called Blessing at Home. We just finished up in First Peter, and uh, I want to kind of transition uh, us and our thinking. You know, as the holiday seasons approach, and Thanksgiving and Christmas and different things, as it gets darker outside and a little colder, and the snow begins to fly. Um, you know, our hearts in many ways do return home or to our household um, as, we're, as we come indoors a little more and, and begin to gather with festivities and various things. Um, and it's interesting, um, the series that we just did in First Peter, uh, there's a text that we didn't camp out on, but I just want to transition from where we were to where we're going um, here in First Peter uh, 2.5 where it says this, you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual house. So that word there literally a dwelling, or a place, a place to dwell. And it's interesting to uh, just step back for a minute and realize that the God that we worship, that we just sang to, that we lived before, his plan for redemption centers actually on houses, on households, where we receive and give blessing. Now, this is not, this is not terribly surprising uh, when you stop to think about it for a moment, because uh, the scripture reveals a God that is eternal and who is a creator and who lives in his essence, the scripture tells us, uh, as love. He, God is love, the New Testament tells us. And if you put your thinking caps on for a second with, for a thought experiment, um, because God is eternal in the, in the source of everything, there was a moment in eternity past over which the only thing that was, was God. Would you agree with me about that on the logic? So before there was anything to be sovereign or almighty or all-powerful over, before there was anything to rule, before there was anything to judge, God lived in a community, a family literally, of loving persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and this family, Jesus would later reveal, was headed by God, who is a father. So when you think about what his intentions were in creating us and creating everything, um, as, a, as a loving family with a good father, it's not surprising that then when we read later about God's plan to put everything back on track, and to bless the world through his son, that one of the primary metaphors that he would use for us is that he is actually building a house. Does that make sense? A father wants a family that dwells with him in households. Now, it's interesting uh, when you think along this line and look at the New Testament and how the story unfolds for us, there are actually two words that we get our word church from. So uh, the two words are ecclesia, which has to do with the gatherings of the people of God. So you might say this morning when you decided to get up and come to church that you came to the gathering. So here we are, gathered, all sitting nicely in rows. Um, thank you for being polite, listening to me for a few minutes. Um, but there's a certain dynamic, wouldn't you agree, to that, to that sort of gathering? And the, the, the word ecclesia is also used in the scripture when it talks about the worldwide people of God. So 
So believers all over the world in various ways are stopping to remember on this first day of the week that, that we are part of God's family and that we serve a good father who has a big, who has a big household of people all over the world and people in our community are doing that. But we're all, we're all, ecclesia, we're all ecclesia this morning to come and reset our minds. But there's a second word um, for the church that is used, and we don't see this because it's in Greek, it just gets translated, but it's actually the household. So there's a certain sense, and I'll show you this in a minute, that it, as a follower of Jesus, you left church to come to church. Because there is, a, there is a dimension of the church, the shape of it, that is actually at the household level. So wouldn't you agree with this? Like, we're, we're all here gathered, but then we're going to go back to our various places in our neighborhoods where we live, in our, in our apartments, in our houses. Um, and all of those places are the, are the oikos. Um, and so the smaller parts that make up the whole. Okay, and that's actually the word here that we're given in First Peter, that when God is actually building a spiritual house, he's building, he's building households, he's building oikos. Um, so, so this is the dynamic um, in the New Testament. And I want to say, uh, you know, it's a couple of things to you about you know, this line of thinking about God's intention and the story that we find ourselves in. God, from the beginning, as a good father, wanted to bless a worldwide family, a worldwide household. So we see this in Genesis at the very beginning when, with Adam and Eve, he tells them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with his family. You know, as he's walking and dwelling with Adam and Eve in the garden, um, he wanted that to be he wanted the blessing that he was pouring out and the provision that he was pouring out to multiply and to grow to generations and to, and to, and to, and to fill the earth literally with the goodness of the Lord of, of people who lived in the house of God or the family of God. Um, we see this later after sin and you know, dysfunction and departure to God's original good plan had taken place through, you know, through sin, the, the sin of Adam and Eve and then on into the generations, that God never gives up on this dream of having a worldwide family because he's a father. And so he comes to a, an individual family, a person, Abraham, and he says, I'm basically calling you out to do something in a special way for you and your descendants, which are going to be many, but, but the purpose is much bigger than just you and your house. It's for all the nations of the earth. It's for all the households. As I, as I bless you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my, my original intention of bringing the whole world into my family. Okay? And so we just have to understand here that part of what we do when we're part of the church is that we're joining the household of God. And it's the, it's the large gathering, but it's also functioning in all the places where we are because we are part, as children of God, and this good father of his family. Secondly, Jesus came then to fully reveal this plan of God uh, to be father to the nations. And basically, he went everywhere saying, you know, there are many conceptions about God and what he's like. Many of them, many of them incorrect, and, and they've actually perverted the true intention and the heart of God. And he was the one who taught us to pray our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be my, thy name, right? He was, he was constantly going, you've heard it said that God is like this. I'm actually here as the Son of God to tell you about the true nature of my Father. And if you want to know what my Father is like, I'm his exact image. So 
as you look at the person of Jesus, you know, his heart, his attitudes, his actions, his teaching, the way he lived his life, every time that you look deeply into the life of Jesus, you are seeing the exact image of what his dad is like. So anything that we're going to say about God and what he's like and what he cares about and what his attitudes are and what his actions are needs, needs to come in the face of Jesus who taught us to pray to his father and ours. Okay? And there's, a, there's an incredible story in John chapter 14 where, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about this big plan that went beyond even that generation and moment to the whole world and to generations to come. And he started to talk to them about that plan um, and the opposition that it was going to face, um, but also the destiny of it. And it, it kind of made them afraid. And so he was trying to calm them down. And he said, listen, um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. Or the way the NLT translates it, there is more than enough room in my father's home. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful statement um, of what this father is like? That he has a big heart and a big vision and apparently a really big house um, where there can be room for, all, for everyone. Because his intention is to extend this family to the world. Um, now, some of the translations and the way that, that some of us have thought of this is like the mansions that we're going to get, like when we get to heaven, are going to be like a reward and like it's going to be cool to go drive around and see your mansion and I'll maybe invite you to my mansion and the better you were in life, like maybe the bigger mansion you got, this kind of idea. But actually the, the image is way more beautiful than that. So I've got some bad news and some good news. You're probably not going to get that kind of a mansion. But the idea here uh, came from the culture of that day where families lived in extended family units. And so, you know, good fathers, actually when their children would marry off and things like this, rather than sending them away like we do in our culture, you actually brought them in. You would extend the house. You would build another room on it, right? And, you, and, the, and as your family grew, the intimacy and the collectivity of what your family was what, the, what you actually shared and what you had to extend just got bigger, okay? And so the image here is that Jesus is actually saying, my, my dad's like this, like, he wants you near to him. He actually has plans and purposes for you that he's had from the beginning. Um, everything about him is love. He wants, to, he wants to share and include you. And not to worry, you've got space in the Father's house. Like, you're included inside of this beautiful vision of the household of God. And so therefore, it's not surprising then that, that to follow Jesus actually means to live in and to extend God's household. So uh, I want you to, uh, if, you have, if you have your Bibles or your phone or whatever, let's look at Ephesians. Um, so we were looking at, we started with the Apostle Peter, now we're going to Paul. This is all through the New Testament. It's in the Gospels. Um, it's everywhere, like when we look at it, but we're going to look in Ephesians 2, um, and I'm going to start reading for you here at the end of Ephesians 2, uh, beginning in verse 18, okay? Well, let me, let me back up to 17. This whole, this whole chapter is worth reading, but time, you know? So, 
he brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can, become, can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Now notice this. You are members of God's family, and together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Now, do you see this? Um, To follow Jesus means that the good father, whose heart always was to have a worldwide family, has never given up on this. He He is extending his invitation to live in his household. And the vision for this is not just tribal or ethnic, like the Jews thought of his day. It's actually for everyone. Um, and so to be, to be a Christian or to be a follower of Jesus um, is, to, is to live in the blessing of the household and to extend that blessing to others. Okay, it's really cool. Now, with that in mind, thinking of our culture and our time and our place, the fact that we are the church, but we are also the church, right, in our various houses, um, there are some things that I think we should reflect on of what it really means to be a member of a Jesus household. Okay, so as you leave this place and go back to your house um, as a follower of Jesus, what, what kind of application and impact would that have for you? I'm going to give you four things here. The first is this. Um, in a Jesus household, as a follower of him, God dwells with you, or you might say it this way, you dwell with God. Um, the scripture here, a little farther down in Ephesians, if you look, um, in, uh, and we'll begin reading here in verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in, you, in your hearts as you trust in him. Literally, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but you come to church, what sometimes we call the house of the Lord, right? To be in the Lord's house. But what do you do when you go back to your house? You actually go back to the house of who? The Lord, because he dwells in you. He's actually made his home where? In you, right? Um, wow, that's a, that's a different way to walk back into your house today, that the Lord actually lives there with you. Um, I think by extension, that means that the Lord not only gets involved with us in holy things, like we might think of coming to church, but in daily things, like making your bed, or doing the dishes, or the laundry, or as you gather for a family meal, or as you fix the leaky pipes, or as you um, clean the house, right? 
um, this, is the, this is the dwelling of God, the, the, the oikos of God actually is that daily, that earthy, um, and that connected to every part of our lives. And it changes a lot when you start to remember that you don't just come to church, you are the church. Like this is not just the Lord's house, but so is yours. That everything that you do is to, to live with God in his presence and to receive his love and blessing and to extend it to others. How would that begin to change? It's, like, it's sort of like a um, time bomb when you think about it, right? That, that it go, as it goes off in our imagination, begins to change the context. Now what's so cool about that is I'm glad that we have a relatively full church building this morning. That's fun. Um, but I don't know if you've noticed, there's a whole lot of people that didn't come this morning. Right? In all of our neighborhoods and downtown and everything. Um, and what they need actually is to experience firsthand what it's like to know God's love and his intentions and actually how holiness looks or how a life with God looks in everyday life. Well, lo and behold, it just so happens that this ecclesia, this gathering, is spread, up, spread out almost perfectly to run little demonstrations of the life and love of God in almost all of our neighborhoods all around this community. Would you agree with me? Like if we were to come up with a strategy to good news the world, wouldn't you agree that a really good plan would be to gather a lot of people from this area, get them all in a big place like this to talk about God's strategy and then send them back to, to, to be the church, right? So God, God dwells with us. Now, um, over the years, our family has tried in many different ways to just remember what an incredible thing this is, that God lives with us. Okay? And part of that is just looking at each other from time to time because we forget and going, do you know that God is here? Like maybe we should set another table, like a place at the table for him. You know? Like he lives with us. Like, do you realize that he has a plan for us, like in this household, um, where, where as his house, like we actually get to build with him on things and we get to, we get to learn some things here and also extend some things here. Yeah, and really what it is to have a family devotion or a family prayer or something like this, I mean, there's nothing like getting angry at your kids because they won't listen to the word of the Lord. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a good, weird feeling that you're, that you're so angry that they're not wanting to sit still for your family devotion or whatever, but the spirit of the family devotion actually is simply for somehow for us to wake up out of our, like, routines and stupor and to realize that this is a God-saturated place. Like, this is actually, this is actually, God does the laundry with us. God makes the meals with us. Like, when we sit down to gather, his love is in our hearts and it's extending between us. This is a place where God's presence, it's his house. Like, it, like he actually lives here and the, and, the, and the people that get touched in this place get a touch of God. Um, and we get, to, we get to be God, like, to each other in various ways. Um, and we've said that, like, you know, God brought you into this world and I'm going to take you out of it, you know, right? Or whatever. But I mean, so it's not always pretty, but it's like, it's like for, the, for the ups and downs of it, it is the place of formation. I want you to see this because in, in the house, so the tip here is just in any way that we help each other remember that 
God lives here. Like, that's, a, that's an important starting place to be a Jesus household. Secondly, in a house, you learn to love. So look at the text again here. Um, I read the first part of verse 17. Let's look at the second part. So Christ makes his home in your hearts as you trust him, and then your roots grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, here's another picture, if you like pictures. Um, think of a tree, right? It starts small. You see something on the surface, you know, that's, that's extending up out of the ground, but the roots that nourish it go down deep into the soil, right? And begin to draw nourishment up to grow. And over time, as you stay connected to that process, what happens to the tree? It begins to develop, right? Um, and, and eventually, it becomes strong. Um, it provides shade and comfort. It becomes fruitful. Like, there's a little ecosystem sometimes going on in there, right? With, with animals that begin to make their home there. Um, and in this image, we as spiritual households are like this. Like, as we begin to, to put our roots down into the goodness of the Father who loves us so constantly, whose, whose intentions for us are so persistent through the generations, who has stopped at nothing to even give his own son for us, who, whose mercy and grace is the whole story from beginning to end and forever of our lives, as we begin to really acknowledge his presence among us and learn from him what love looks like. Remember, God is love. As we begin to, we have, we begin to able to receive that love, we, we grow stronger in love. And we're able to give love, right, to each other. And this is the source of a strong person and a strong family and eventually a strong community, right? Because love is the, it's the foundation for everything, right? First uh, Corinthians 13 talks about this. Like, you can have all kinds of things that are, that are external, but if underneath love is, not, is absent, it's ultimately a failed experiment in life because we live on love. Now, the tip here is that not everybody in our household always remembers that. Um, sometimes me too. Because I can find myself getting so full of resentment through the day, day ins and day outs of life that I actually start to think that a lot of other things are their priority other than love. Are you like that ever? Like sometimes where you feel like being right or getting your way or, or people agreeing with you in your household or going in the direction that you're, that you're wanting to go is actually the point of your family. And we get into arguments and strife and fighting and quarreling and all kinds of things because we actually forget that the point of the household actually is to grow strong in what? Well, relationships actually are, are the most important thing. They're the thing that will last forever. So you, you, know, you, talk, you ever heard the phrase like, you won the battle but lost the war? Like I wonder how many battles we end up winning at home where we lose the war because the point was actually to teach and learn the lessons of love, right? And so as we keep our roots down into God, he keeps reminding us that love is actually what wins. Love is the point. Um, love is what we're here for. Um, and that, 
that by itself can be a time bomb when we begin to think through our households and how we organize them and what we prioritize and how we make decisions, whether they're really being governed by the beautiful law of love, which is the sum of all of God's teaching, right? Now, thirdly, this. You not only learn to love in a house, you grow and develop at home. Home is where we raise our children, right? Or maybe more accurately, it's where our children raise us. Um, Marriage is kind of the same way, and all close relationships are like you, you go into them thinking they're one thing and they end up becoming a school, right? Of love. Um, and this kind of learning doesn't happen overnight, right? Sometimes it takes years and decades of grinding, like running into the same wall over and over again and finding eventually, as G.K. Chesterton once wrote in his brilliant essay, the problem with the world is me, period, right? Because this is what we're learning in various ways that ultimately all the ways that we're defining things ultimately come back home to our own hearts, right? And God's big intentions for us. So look how this works in the scripture. We ended in verse 17, so let's pick it up in 18. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now, look up here for a second. What's in between the heights and the depths and the widths? What's in between all those things? It's everything, right? Everything. So the lesson of love that we're growing and developing in is for what part of our lives? It's for, it's for everything that happens in a household. And let me tell you, that's a lot. Okay, I've got, I've got four kids that are growing into adulthood and many of you are maybe before or after that in your stages of life. Think about your life. What's in between the height and the depth and the width? Like more than you ever thought. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. More than you ever could have imagined. All the twists and turns of life. Isn't it good to know that God's love is that wide and that deep? It covers it all. But it also means he's interested in everything in between. And it's one thing to come to the ecclesia, the church on the weekend, and dress it up a little and say, hey, we can pretty much keep it together for an hour and a half, right? But when we get home is where the height and the depth and the widths are, right? Um, so it's good to know, good thing to know here that the vision that God has of us learning to love in a house, like a Jesus household, is a process. Because you're being made complete. You ever seen those bumper stickers like, God's not finished with me yet, this is a construction zone? Well, come on to my house and I'll show you a construction zone, right? It's like a, it's like a running construction zone. Um, but guess what you get to do at home? You get to practice, right? I mean, no matter, no matter how bad of a day it was yesterday, guess what happened this morning? 
the sun came up and you get to start it all over, right? It's like, it's like there is nothing so objective and persistent as a household. And so it's the perfect context. It's the perfect context to, to learn to love because, and to grow and develop because there's no way through but through. I mean, you can, you can abandon it and quit on it and break it and all that, but guess what you're still stuck with? Some other household. So God has set it up perfectly that Jesus dwells with you in this because this is the context of our lives. This is, if holiness or following Jesus or knowing God's love is going to mean anything, it has to mean something there. So the good news, here's, here's what I think we should all be doing. We should all be groaning a little bit because like, oh, it is, that, it is that forever, right? It is. But we also should be sighing a little bit because game's up. We're all stuck in one, right? And we all got the same grind with slightly different actors and issues but they're kind of the same, right? And we're all doing the hard thing, which is learning how to get love into the core of everything. And so this, so the ecclesia, or the place when we gather, it's really just about reflecting on that experience and tooling up, right, for the real part of the Christian life, which is our, which is our actual lives. Um, and God is with us. He's persevering. He's patient. He's not giving up on us. Um, and so we don't give up on each other and we don't give up on the process because at the end is the fullness. Not just the, not just the heights of experience, but all of it. Okay? And then fourthly, this. Really cool. If God's original intention was to have a worldwide house, a family that he dwells with and that there's enough room in his house for and that's forever, where we gradually learn to love and join him in love and all the creative endeavors that come next, then isn't it true that the purpose of every one of our households is also to be a blessing? Isn't it true? Like if we're the family of God who has been blessed and God is in the blessing business, we call it the gospel or the good news, then everything about everything else is to extend blessing. Um, and if you read on in this chapter, like in Ephesians, it's like a big argument because it gets down toward the end and we often use this verse as a benediction in church, like where you, a pastor will like kind of bless you with this at the end and it certainly is a blessing. Um, but I think it's more. It's like a game plan. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish more than we might ask or think. You can read this several ways. Like, God's going to get the job done. It's going to be incredible because he's going to reclaim his family and the world. It's going to be a family of blessing. It's going to be more beautiful than you can possibly imagine, and it is. So there, that's one way to read this. The other way to read this is, oh my word, like what he accomplishes with what he's got. Again, I refer you to my house, <laughs> right? And uh, let me just give you one example of this. So 10, 15 years ago, my wife started to do um, 
conversation groups that met in our home and eventually got kind of evolved into a student group ministry for, we don't have that ministry now, but she had groups that she was bringing college students in for one night a week. We'd have homemade ice cream and sit around the table and sometimes we had a meal, but we would, you know, our kids would, our dogs would bark and our kids would, when they were little, would run around and I could never figure out for the life of me why they were coming back, you know? I mean, um, and then I could never figure out why so many of them would tell us that the times sitting around a table were significant markers in their development, their vision for their lives, like what they wanted out of their futures, like this kind of thing. Um, because we were just sitting around a table having a meal and people were spilling things and my dog wouldn't shut up. Okay? Now what it turns out that in a culture that is fragmented beyond belief at the family level, um, and if you're a high-achieving member of that, sometimes you work all the time in every direction, um, that a family meal and homemade ice cream was sort of like a spectacle. And having the opportunity to sit at someone else's table while you yelled at your kids or something, you know, and then said you were sorry, was a marvel. And, and being able to be in a place where love actually went back and forth and you could feel it and you could maybe taste it in the ice cream. Turns out it is the most attractive thing in the world to the human heart because we live on love. And what would happen if we began in our communities to think of the church as more than a place that we gather at an address, the ecclesia, and we started to think of it as a, as a household um, where any one of us, uh, um, as raw as it is because it's under construction, with the love of God in our hearts could think of witness um, not only as like presenting a set of propositions that we call the gospel, but a place that you could actually live in, experience and sit around a table in and, and share a living room in and maybe do laundry and dishes together. Um, because this father that we come to wants a family. Wants a family. And in that sense, Meals and interactions and living rooms and laundry are ministry. Because God dwells there. What if, we, what if we began to think of our household as the mission? What if we, what if we changed the tense of evangelism from trying to convince people to believe things to people who blessed in Jesus' name and then told them why. Um, how would that change this neighborhood and then over the holiday seasons? How, how would it change our Facebook pages? Um, how would it change everything about the adventure on which we find ourselves? Because there is a father 
God the Son and the Holy Spirit who will stop at nothing to bring us home. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you for my friends that have gathered here in your name. Thank you that we come to a father um, who so loved us that he gave his son and who opened a way forever for us to be part of the family. Thank you that there is room forever uh, in your heart for, for us. Um, and now I pray that you would awaken our imaginations and our hearts um, as broken as our houses and our experiences with families may have been to your unceasing love to which we can put our roots down into and learn to receive and then practice giving love and blessing. Um, and I pray that you would make us exactly that, blessed Marys, um, to your world. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anything that we can do here at the church to help and encourage you in any way, we want to know about that. Um, next week, Pastor Dan will be back to continue this series, Blessings at Home, um, and to think practically about how to extend that in our daily lives. Uh, you are blessed, and have a great day.